Welcome back to the Passive Rotary Retirement Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Jarrett. Today, we're joined by Calvin Ewing. Cal is a real estate and mortgage note investor who has been investing in U.S. real estate for the past 14 years from his home in Calgary, Canada. Over his career, he has done everything from fix and flips, wholesaling to long-term rental properties, subject to deals, but has recently found his niche in the mortgage note investing space, where he currently buys performing and non-performing notes secured to residential properties across the United States. Kel, welcome to the show. Andrew, thanks for having me on. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, yeah great to have you. So I guess, uh, you know, diving right into it, how did you first get involved in real estate? Well, um, I think my first, the first idea I had about owning real estate when I was in my early 20s was I wanted to just own vacation property somewhere warm because living in Canada, you get <laughs> sick of the cold winters. And uh, I know you, you being in Florida, you probably get a lot of Canadians that come down and try to escape. So oh yeah, <laughs> so I definitely <laughs> sure, sure. have the same mindset. So when I was super young, like that's what I wanted to do. Um, and then I ended up reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm. And as you probably have read, it's all about cash flow for rental properties and just real estate in general. And that really lit a fire under me because at the time I was going to college as a tra training to be a geologist. And um, after reading that book, I was like, you know, that's what I actually want is I want freedom, like time freedom to be able to do what I want, not have to clock into a nine to five job. And my career I was heading into, there's a lot of like field work in the middle of nowhere and extreme temperatures and you know, very long <laughs> distances from any kind of humanity. And so I wasn't exactly excited about my career path and just seeing that the real estate offered other opportunities and a lot more freedom. I was, I was really hooked and that became my, my lifelong goal. And the more I got into it, the more I realized I really love how it's a mix of both analytical brain and mm -hmm. creative creativity, right. From right. everything from marketing, creativity to just like the way you structure deals and things like that. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Okay. And man, Rich Dad Poor Dad, if I had a dollar for every time somebody told me that book changed your life, you know, it's, uh, uh I'm sure that book was, I mean, life-changing for me too. Uh, it wasn't my first one I read. I read, um, Russ Whitney's books first, but that led me yeah. into Rich Dad Poor Dad and yeah, that book is, uh, it's great. So, yeah, well, it's funny at around the same time I was living in an apartment and someone had dropped off a big box of self-help books by the dumpster. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, really? I was looking through them and there was, I think four or five real estate books and like CD, like trainings. Wow. So I was like, Yoink, grab these. <laughs> and I can't even remember the guy's name, but like a lot of the strategies are probably outdated because it was like from the mid nineties, but I listened to all of those and it really opened my eyes to all the different types of strategies you could do. Oh yeah. But what I soon found out is most of that was strategies you can do in the US and not in Canada. Just our laws are different and there's a lot, I guess, more stricter laws here. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot less that you can do for creative real estate. And so that's why I started in the US is there's just so much more flexibility than there is here in Canada. Yeah. Got going. And I've never looked back. I actually know more about US real estate than I do Canadian, even though I live <laughs> in Canada. So that's funny. Yeah. Man, I can't believe someone would just throw that stuff away. That's crazy. You know? Yeah. It was like a gold mine of <laughs> yeah. development. And <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah. I never yeah. throw that stuff away. I mean, but yeah, I, I agree. That's like finding the treasure chest. Yeah. So what, um, 
I guess, so how'd you start? Did you get into like buy and hold or fix and flip wholesaling? How'd you, how'd you start out? Well, I actually was fortunate enough to meet another guy that lived in Calgary here in Canada. And okay. he got his start with rental properties here in Calgary, but he started venturing out. This is right around when the wave of foreclosures hit uh, Las Vegas in 2010. Oh, okay. And so he was actually buying lots of properties down there at the foreclosure auctions. And he was actually training Canadians because just people would come up to him and be like, Hey, how do you do that? Like, I want to join in. And so he started doing tours and he would charge for the tours. Um, but he'd bring you down there to Vegas and you to meet his team and work with his realtors that would go to the auctions every day for him. And basically he'd plug you into his whole team that he built um, for free, just for the price of the tour that you paid. And wow. so I had some some guys that we all went in together to buy our first property and really didn't know what we were doing except for what I read in those books. Mm-hmm. Uh, but luckily he had built a really strong team. And so we got our first deal done through, through his team down in Vegas. Um, and we just did a, like a lipstick remodel and sold it. Um, and I think we only made like 10 grand or something from it, but I was like, man, this is awesome. Like it actually worked right. my first deal and we made money. Yeah. Uh, and then at that time, Phoenix kind of followed, they were a little bit behind. And so then they had a huge foreclosure wave as well. And he built another team there. Wow. So we kind of followed him into the Phoenix market and, and, uh, kept that, that property. We kept that one as a rental and did really well on that. And then eventually we sold it because we kind of bought it right at rock bottom when the market had tumbled and it was on yeah. the rise again. And so, yeah, so then we did good on two properties and <laughs> after that, I was like, okay, I get the whole, like, I get this, it does work, but now I want to be the guy that finds the deals instead of just, you know, gives the money and doesn't know what's going on. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, exactly. so it motivated me to want to learn all these strategies myself and build my own teams and that kind of thing. Hey everyone. Hope you're enjoying this episode. Are you ready to maximize your real estate investing to its full potential? Send me an email at andrew at jarrettcapital.com and take your life and business to all new levels. That's andrew at j-a-r-r-e-t-t capital.com. So you kind of went more from like a passive, like a private investor type to an active like deal finder sourcing that stuff. Yeah, well, it wasn't really a private investor. It was more like turnkey. You know, there's right. certain companies that will find the properties and do all oh, the work okay. you and you just buy them, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And then you get all the benefits of the cash flow or whatever, um, which is great for lots of you know busy people. Right? Sure. But but I find that you could if you can find the deals yourself. First of all, you learn way more, uh, but there's also more profits because you don't have to worry about paying all the other middlemen involved. Right. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And now you've kind of switched over into note investing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, like, I don't know, have you, have you invested from outside of your state or city? Cause yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as you know, remote investing can be <laughs> definitely has its challenges Yeah. Yep. and being in a different country as well, um, has its challenges. So what I've found over the years, just, um, my curiosity has got me into lots of different strategies and, um, I don't know. If, I don't think it's shiny object syndrome. It's more like curiosity. I'd like to like be able to put these strategies into motion and just see how they work. Um, just sure. my curiosity. So I've done, you know, wholesaling flips, like you said, subject twos and that kind of thing. Um, and one of the things that caught my eye in Texas, a lot of people like to owner finance or do, you know, seller financing, owner financing in Texas. Mm-hmm. And uh, part of it's because lease options don't really work. 
uh, rental homes don't really work in Texas. So people own or finance. And so I got into that and I did a couple of those deals um, where we buy a house subject to the seller's mortgage and then owner finance it to a new buyer. Okay. They pay down payment and then now you're the lender, right? They're paying the, the monthly payments. Mm-hmm. And I like the idea of being a, a note holder or a lender and collecting the, the loan payments instead of being a landlord, just because, as you know, if you're the landlord, then you've got tenants and toilets and vacancies Termites, and right? Yeah. expenses, right? <laughs> yep. And so being a remote investor, that can be tricky to deal with. So I do like the idea of getting that monthly cash flow in, but not having to get the the broken toilet calls and all of that kind of thing. And so uh, that's how I drifted more into the note space is just a little bit more hands-off. And I find that you can actually, like I invest all over the U.S. now instead of mm-hmm. just one market in Texas, okay. um, just because notes are a little bit more flexible with with the amount of uh, babying you got to do once you've got the deal. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. Makes sense. Okay. And yeah. uh, now how do you find like all your, your potential investments? Is there like websites you look at or just combing through like, uh, you know, local municipalities or, or how do you do, go about that? So um, I do a lot of like constant networking on LinkedIn. Okay. So I'm, I'm set up so that I can, I've got a cool little app that plugs into LinkedIn. So I reach out to asset managers at different banks across the U.S., who might be selling notes, mm-hmm. um, so performing notes where the borrowers have been paying consistently, um, and then also non-performing notes, is, which is where the borrowers have stopped paying for a certain amount of time. And a lot of times you can buy those non-performing mortgages at a, a pretty good discount because the banks, they don't want to keep them on their on their books. They don't want to have to foreclose and take the property back and all of that. Sure. So you can get some pretty good deals. And you know because I'm a small investor, I can take the time to work with the borrower one-on-one to try and get them back on track. And we call that rehabbing the borrower, trying to figure out, you know, why aren't they paying? Is Mm -hmm. there something we could do to help them save their property and get back on track paying again? Uh, Whereas a big bank, they don't have the, they just, there's too much going on, right? They can't work with a borrower very much. So we have that flexibility so we can buy it at a big discount. And then when we get them paying again, then that's a really, really improved return on investment because you're you're getting more than what the interest rate is because you bought it at a discount, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. So LinkedIn um, and just growing my network, um, I reach out to private note investors that might be selling. Uh, sometimes guys and gals, they need the cash to buy a bigger investment or something like that. Like mm-hmm. recently, a guy was trying to buy an apartment building. So he needed the cash for the down payment. So he was selling off a bunch of his notes. So just constant networking. Yeah. 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 Makes sense. Same in the, you know, same as single family, multifamily, same thing. Network yeah. is networks your net worth, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And the thing I like about notes is um, when you're dealing with sellers of single family homes, as you're probably well aware, you know, sometimes there can be a lot of drama, right? right. Like oh yeah. Family drama or even just negotiating um just lots of issues even getting access to the property things like that mm-hmm. so those are all challenges with dealing with home sellers um, whereas note sellers it's more there's not a lot of emotion there it's just more about you know can we come up to the the right number to make it work for both parties sure. so you know, all, all those drama headaches <laughs> kind of go away yeah yeah now will you um hold notes and take them long term or if you can get them performing again do you 
sell the notes and reinvest in something else or what's your typical strategy? I'm mostly longer term. Um, my goal is again, going back to that, the rich dad idea, you know, the cash flow game of like just acquiring more and more cash flowing assets so that, you know, eventually when I get tired of working and want to take a year to travel or something, that money's there. Mm -hmm. And so, but part of it depends on the type of note. And I, I do a lot of work with private investors. So I work with people that have like self-directed IRAs and other funds that they want to put to work, um, but they don't really maybe have the time or the knowledge to find good deals. Sure. And so sometimes they only want to be in a deal for two or three years. And then at that point, then we could sell off the note or pay, you know, pay them out or there's lots of different things, but I do like the longer term play with cash flow. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes there's notes where you end up having to foreclose. So the borrowers, we can't get them on track or maybe they've already vacated the property. They've, they've already given up. And so you can buy those notes and those are more, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, those are kind of equivalent to more of like a wholesale deal or a fix and flip where you're buying it. And then a short time later, after you foreclose, then you you're either, you know, selling the property off or, or taking it back and then, you know, renovating it and selling it. So those are more short, short term. You get mm -hmm. paid once, but it's a bigger chunk of cash. Type right. of a deal. Yeah. Okay. And now your investors, do you have like different options if somebody says, oh, I want to be in for a year, maybe somebody else wants to be in 10 years. Like, do you have different structures, I guess you can put them in for that? Um, not really. Like I, I just work one-on-one -on -one with, with one investor at a time. Um, and we just, I just try to feel out what they're looking for. And then if a, a note seems like it's going to be a fit, um, you know, I, yeah, I just try to cater to their needs and put them in the right kind of deal that they want sure. that makes sense for them and meets their goals. So, and it's cool because I've been able, because I'm Canadian, I actually work with quite a few Canadian investors that, you know, they want to do the same thing, kind of how I started, right? They want to mm -hmm. do deals in the US because the numbers make a lot more sense than in Canada. And so we're sure. able to put them into something without them having to get all the knowledge that I've obtained about US investing. So. Hmm, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Good diversification for them. Absolutely. Yeah. A little bit of a niche I got. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now, I guess you've done, I mean, it sounds like quite a few deals. Typically, everyone has one deal that hasn't gone as planned, you know, or not exactly at that return. Yeah. Uh, you have any like that you could share your experience and maybe what you learned from that? Yeah, I do. Um, so not living in Houston, um, I know that they're on the coast and sometimes hurricanes can affect the yeah. coast, the, the Gulf of Mexico. Sometimes. Um, <laughs> yeah, a couple of times. Yeah. Um, but when I was getting kind of getting started my first couple flips in Texas um I guess I was a little naive and I, I was more eager to get a deal done and so I had the opportunity I had a, some bandit signs out and I I had a deal I got off a of bandit sign and hmm. the numbers were a little bit tighter than I wanted but I was like hey man it's a deal like I finally got a deal going and so bought the house um we started renovating it and like I I don't even know if I checked the flood zone. Like, I, I think I was just kind of like, well, if I did notice that it was in a flood zone, I was just like, well, what's come on. Like, it's going to be a six month flip. Like, what are the odds? I don't even think we were in hurricane season at that time. So I did get flood insurance on it. Um, my hard money lender required it. Yeah. Um, but you know where this is going. Um, so right <laughs> when we had our open house uh, to sell the property after the remodel, 
that Sunday when we had the open house scheduled is when Hurricane Harvey hit. Huh. And that house took on four feet of water. Wow. And yeah. So, <laughs> and I actually had another flip as well uh, that I was doing that I bought from a wholesaler and it was about half done the remodel and it took on like six feet of water. And I right. think, yeah, I just think I was in that space where I just wanted a deal. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of other investors out there, like, they're like, they'll ignore certain things because they just want the deal. Right. Right. Like, most of the numbers make sense. So let's just do it. Mm-hmm. And I think that was my biggest lesson is like, Working in Houston, you got to be checking flood zones and expect that. And I think a lot of people learn tough lessons with Hurricane Harvey. But um, yeah, so I had two flips flood. And luckily, I did have flood insurance, but we still lost money on them. And I was able to make up a lot of it because there was a lot of opportunities to wholesale flooded houses down yeah. there mm-hmm. after that. But yeah, it, it hurt for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's painful. We uh, we do the same thing in Florida and we... Oh, I bet. 99% of the time we'll not buy in a flood zone. <laughs> yeah. You know, especially with the the flood insurance premiums now they're crazy. Oh yeah. Yeah, the the just paying for the your flood insurance it eats up all your profit if yeah. it's a rental especially. Right. Exactly. Um, you know, or makes it hard to get tenants in there and then mold, that's the other thing like Yep. Even wholesaling houses I found that there's a lot of investors that, you know, they just wouldn't trust it because they're worried about mold and so yeah, it's best to just stay away from those kind of deals for sure. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess how has passive income kind of changed your, you know, your life or your family life? Have you noticed a difference since, you know, not only mindset, but you know, family quality time and stuff like that? Yeah, I think just knowing that whatever happens, you're covered, just that kind of sense of security. I mean, it's the same kind of feeling, I guess, you have if you have a, a steady job, except that you don't have to give up all of your life to the job. Right. So I, it's just that sense of like, okay, well, at least, you know, I know this much money's coming no matter what, mm-hmm. you know, give or take. And yeah, it just gives me more time to be a dad. And that's one of the things I've loved about being a real estate investor is like um, my my little girl, she's eight now, and I've been able to spend so much time at home with her as she's grown up. And I know so many other dads don't get that luxury. You know, some mm-hmm. some dads, especially in the field I was going into as a geologist, they're gone like all the time and they don't get to see their kids grow up. And I think that's a, I mean, it's not, not their choosing, but it's a, it's so hard on both the dad and the kid. Right. So right. that's just been such a great thing to be able to have that flexibility of working from home and being around my family and watching my kids grow up. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a yeah. solid why. It's a great reason to to do it, you know. Yeah. And then teach them, right? So that they can have similar freedoms in their own lives when they grow up. Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. starting from eight years old, if she's learning now, man, <laughs> by the time she's an adult, she'll never have to work in her life, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, my stepdaughter, she's she just turned 16 and she doesn't seem that interested, but maybe she'll come around later once she has to <laughs> work for a living. Once she gets that first job, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Change your mind. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Um, I guess what was your like your fork in the road moment where you decided that instead of doing fix and flips, wholesales, you want to mostly focus on notes going forward? Yeah, that's a good question. I think originally, um, I was just trying to do any kind of deals that made sense, you know, that I could do. 
And because I was Canadian, some of the, I was limited to some of the financing I could get for rentals and that kind of thing. So I just took that path of wholesaling um, because you can make nice money wholesaling, but I realized just how much of a grind wholesaling can be. Um, And I, I was really successful doing that for quite a while. Um, As you know, flip fix and flips are good, but there's risks, which I encountered. But I just, I got to this point where I was like, wait a second, like I'm doing all these strategies where you get paid one time and you do mm-hmm. a whole bunch of work yep. and it sort of just felt like another job. And I was like, wait a second. Like when I started this, I looked back to rich dad, right. And the, the cash flow game, right. I don't know if you played cash flow, but the whole oh, yeah. point is to get enough passive income so that you can cover your expenses and stop working. Right. And I was like, well, why am I like busting my butt doing these short-term deals where you get paid one time? When I could be going back to the, the principles and and getting that cash flow in again in the, in the monthly passive income. And so that's where I was like, okay, stop doing all these other strategies and just like focus on that cash flow objective again. And yep. so that was my fork in the road to go into nose. Yeah. Nice. I, I like, I, was, I, I mean, when I started out, I wholesaled too and did some fix and flips. And yeah, if you're not doing deals, you're not making any money. You know, so yeah, and that's stressful, right? If you like <laughs> yeah. don't have anything coming in one month, you're like, right. oh my god, how am I going to get through this? Yeah, or the market yeah. changes, you know, fluctuations, yeah. and then you know, what do you do? So, yeah. yeah, I totally agree. Passive income is that's why I've been more buy and hold, you know, my entire life. So, yeah, yeah. I agree with you. <laughs> yeah, and then you, I mean, that's the one, the one benefit of rentals over notes is you got that appreciation as well to help. True. Um, so that's one one definite benefit of owning rental properties. But I guess with notes, you can if you buy them at a discount, you can kind of create your own uh, yeah. appreciation or or equity in the deal as well. So, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I guess what would be your number one takeaway for the audience? You know, from this episode, you'd want them to absorb. Um, I think yeah. Number one, um, don't ignore certain, like I was saying with those flood properties, don't ignore some of the things you're taught in your due diligence, just because you really want to get a deal. Mm -hmm. Um, I know when you're like putting out a lot of money for marketing and that kind of thing, whether it's, you know, direct mail or Facebook ads or Google ads, it starts to add up and you start maybe getting like, you just want to do a deal to get some of that money back. Um, But I think if, if the margins are slim, don't do the deal. Like make sure set your criteria ahead of time and, and follow your plan. Mm-hmm. That was the, the mistake I made back then. Um, and, and don't cut corners just because you need that deal. So that's one of them. Um, number two is, you know, don't set limits on yourself. Like I talked to a lot of Canadians because I am one that say, well, us too scary and double taxed. And, you know, they have all these excuses why not to move forward. Um, and I think they're all just excuses. So if there's excuses you have in your mind about why you can't start investing, no matter where you live, um, or why you can't try to invest in a different state or something like that, just question your question yourself and say, is, is that really real? Um, and maybe you need to talk to other people that are already doing it. Um, because a lot of times there's ways of making it happen. You just put your own limits on yourself. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are great points. I agree. Yeah, it's it's all mindset, right? Your own self yeah. limit of why you can't. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Now, before we get into our five to thrive section, what's the best way for people to reach out and contact you or you know jump on a call? Yeah. So if you just go to www.talkwithcalewing.com 
and you can just book a call with me. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. I'm happy to talk real estate anytime or, you know, I don't mind giving some advice to folks. So just book a call. Awesome. Uh, last question before we get into our five to thrive, if you could step in my shoes for the interview, mm -hmm. is there any question you would ask yourself that I didn't ask you? Um, yeah, if I was in your shoes, I would be asking me why the hell I'm living in Canada instead of Florida. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yep. And I would say that, um, citizenship, I guess, and my wife's got a good job here. Yeah. That makes um, sense. <laughs> um, no, not really. Uh, that's can't really think of anything. It's a good question, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I got and the sun instead of the snow. I mean, yeah. <laughs> True. Yeah. Fair trade off. Hurricanes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hurricanes. Yeah. yeah. All right. Cool. So this is our five to thrive. So this is a word association game. I just rattle off five words, you know, rapid fire. Just give me the first word or phrase, you know, sentence, whatever that comes to mind uh, after the word. So okay. just can't repeat uh, the same answer. Okay. Okay. Getting nervous here. <laughs> the, first, <laughs> the first one is passive income. Passive income. Uh, performing notes. Note investing. Um, <laughs> should be super easy. Um, financial freedom. Marketing. Holy shit, that's a big can of worms. <laughs> right? Um, no, no, uh, well, no, here's my answer. Um, 100% of what we do, True. that's basically what we are as real estate investors, is we're yep. marketers, number one. Point. Yeah, yeah, good point. Private investors. Um, challenging to find. One of the hardest parts I found about real estate investing is, is raising capital. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And 49th Parallel Properties. So that's my company. It's a Texas company, but the border for most of the Canadian US border, that long stretch when you look at a map, that's the 49th parallel of latitude. That's where the border sits on. So that's what the name of my company, because obviously we're the Canadian investing in the US. So it's a cool name. I like it. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> well, Cal, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show, and I really appreciate you being here. Yeah, Andrew, it's been awesome. It's been fun. We'll have to do it again sometime. Definitely.